Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike Moynihan here, Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast, hopefully your favorite vintage card podcast. I don't know what other one you'd be listening to, but we are going to be having a great show this week. I love doing shows by myself. I love doing shows where I'm talking to a buddy or a fellow collector or a dealer or a hobby, you know, person. But today we're not just talking to one because as you guys know, my favorite topic is anything Hall of Fame. We had some news come out that uh, recently in the last few days that the Hall of Fame is changing how they're going to be doing the era committees. And I was none too happy about it. And I thought, man, I wonder if I'm overreacting. And, and a bunch of us have a, a little text thread that we talk with, all of which are going to be on this uh, podcast tonight. And so... I thought that I would have them let's just get on and debate the the issue and talk about what's changing and is it good is it bad what do we think and so let me just bring them on right now we'll start talking because I don't know how long this is going to last but I hope you enjoy it as it's three of my favorite guys three guys that I admire and look up to in the hobby uh, and that is first off Jake Levin, Legends Never Die Frank hey now everybody have their Hall of Fame Bible, by the way, close by? Um, and you got Bill, the Hall of Fame collector. His Bible is not close by. No. I will I have- say this. I did a review of Raymond Brown. I think Ron got it wrong in his book. Wow. So otherwise, doesn't mean it's perfect. Does, otherwise, it's a pretty good resource, right? Yes. Excellent resource. I feel left behind because I only have the first edition. Oh, you mean this one? That yes. <laughs> I you thought my old school. Oh, this is the old school one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, there's one thing that it's going to be tough. This is the first time I've ever had kind of this, you know, open forum bunches of guys. We're going to have a hard time uh, getting a word. I'll have a hard time getting a word in Edgewise, which is just fine. But. I appreciate you guys being on. We all share a love for the Hall of Fame, the process, the you know recognition of greatness that these once these players are enshrined, it's pretty awesome. The first question I want to ask you guys, and I think it'll matter when we just you'll you'll kind of know where we're going and how we feel about the changes. I'm going to go around the room, so to speak. Big hall guy, little hall guy, and I know where you all stand, but just for everybody out there that's watching or listening, Jake. Big hall guy, little hall guy. I'm probably lean on the little halls into the spectrum. Okay, Frank. Little to middle, but definitely more on the little side. Okay, Bill. Uh, I would say middle, 
uh, possibly a little larger, but not huge. Okay. So then I'm on the big haul side. So that's, that's good because these changes matter. And I think your, your opinion of it is going to be defined a lot by how you answer that question. If you're a little haul guy, you're going to think one way, middle haul guy, different way. And a big haul guy, you're going to think differently, just the same. Let me tell you guys, or let's, let's introduce this idea and I'll, I'll have Frank, since he's done the most homework on this, <laughs> do some, some addition to my uh, basic explanation. But I'm going to show you guys, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this, but you can go to baseballhall.org. It's literally the first thing on their website is the changes that they have made to the era committee, the restructuring basically of how they vote for this stuff. And they've done it effective immediately, which by the way, have any of you guys ever heard of them doing something like effective immediately? <laughs> but yet they didn't do it effective immediately, which we'll get to in a second. Right. But usually it's, yeah, we're going to change this and it'll be for the next thing and, or the next X amount of years, X amount of years or whatever. So they've taken the era committees, which Jake, before there were what, five era committees? Yes. Early baseball, golden, uh, today's game, modern baseball. What's the last one? Maybe there were only four. Today's game. Did you say that? Yeah. Four. Yes. four. Okay. So there used to be four era committees, rotating years. They were going to vote on this. Now they're going to consolidate down to two the contemporary baseball era consisting of the period from 1980 to today and the classic baseball era consisting of the period prior to 1980, which includes Negro leagues and pre Negro league stars. The contemporary baseball ballot will be era baseball, uh, contemporary baseball era ballot will be split into two separate ones. One's going to consider only players and the other one's going to consider Managers, executives, umpires, kind of just additional contributors to the game. First question, and I'm going to pull this down and we can we can sit here and talk. Let, let's As we go through these things, if you want to add any color, feel free when I get to you. But let's just talk about going from four to two. Does that make sense to you? Do you what are your thoughts about it? And I'll start with Bill on this one. Um, well, I, I kind of see it divided into three because it's going to be one each year. So I can kind of consider it three, but, but I, I, uh, I'm indifferent right now because I'm digesting this. I, I, you know, I, I heard the news. I knew it would be different. Um, and, but, but I just see now two eras, 1980 plus and one era pre 19 uh, or classic era. So, um, I mean, I think I'm okay with it. Because there's a lot of other factors that actually play a bigger role, I think, that we'll talk about later. Okay. Frank, your thoughts on the Yeah, again, change. it really depends. If you're, let's say you're an autograph collector and you want to get as many autographs as possible. This is great. This is great news for you because two out of every three years, they're going to elect players whose biggest contribution was post-1980, which for all of us means probably an easy autograph to get. Now... Uh, I was reading some reasons why they did this consolidation of these committees. So it really, it's almost like a wait and see, like Bill was saying, we need to see how this plays out because there's so many other changes that we need to talk about just besides of shrinking the committees down from five to three. 
Jake? I'm going to try to be consolidated. My initial reaction, uh, without getting into further details, when I just saw it right off the bat, I said, well, that'll be cleaner for, you know, players that overlap both eras or two eras when there were more of them. And then my next reaction was, well, in theory, that means less guys are going to get in more frequently. And for the pre-1980, I would think those eras have been pretty well covered. I think we'd probably all, you know, stand up and say, I really think Dick Allen or whoever should be in from that era. But for the most part, 1980 and before, if you're a Hall of Famer, I feel like you're probably in where the 1980 post guys I think they're going to be more in the future. I totally disagree with Jake. So I just want to make that up front <laughs> right now. I mean, the Thanks, biggest Mike. oversight is going to be the Negro Leaguers because the Negro Leaguers were just included as part of baseball, Major League Baseball stats. They haven't even been included officially. Thank you to Baseball Reference. They included them. And again, ignoring the autographs for a second, there's got to be easily 12 Negro Leaguers out there that stats we know of, ignoring all the stats we don't know of, they actually spent significant time in the U.S. I'm not even talking about like the Alejandro Ohms of the world that contributed mostly in Latin America. And they're only going to get a shot now once every three years. And you got to group them with like the Doc Adams of the world. And it blows my mind that Doc Adams, who was born in like 1812, needs to share a ballot with Thurman Munson. They have totally two different contributions to the game, both equally worthy contributions, but very different. So I don't like the fact that they all group them together. All right. So my thought is this most recent iteration before the brand new stuff has only been around for not even really one full cycle of all of the different committees that they were going to do, or maybe 2016. Yeah. So five, six years, right, of balloting that that has been around. That's not very long, and now they're changing it again. When they first did the last one, I thought, wow, this seems like a lot of cutting up of the pie. Felt like a lot of slicing of the pie. And I, But I do get your point, Frank, about you know super old guys and then relatively recent contributors to the game in that. And I think it's so hard to me. It's the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not the Major League Hall of Fame, right? And so I don't care if your contributions were in Mexican League or Japan or like I think Sidara Sidara O should be. I just said that totally Sadaharu, wrong. Sadaharu, right? Yeah. What's that? Sadaharu. Sadaharu. Yeah, Sadaharu. I think he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Totally disagree. It's the American, so okay. basically without saying it, it's the American Baseball Hall of Fame. It belongs in the Japan. I'm getting we're getting off subject right now. Cuba has their Baseball Hall of Fame. Canada has their Baseball Hall of Fame. This is like the let's be honest, it's the pretty much the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Frank and I, I agree on points. I just want to point that out. Frank and I agree on that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm. I told you guys I was going to be the idiot. I told that I was like thinking to myself, I'm going to be the idiot in this conversation. And that's going to play itself out here as we keep going. Uh, I always thought it was too jumbled anyway. And and now uh, there, there are, I think it's simpler, but I don't know that I like it necessarily. And we'll get into that. All right. So we talked about each of these committees rotating on an annual basis. Effective beginning in January 2023, 
eligible players must have been retired for 16 or more seasons equal to a one-year waiting period following their potential year of eligibility on the BBWAA ballot. Frank, please explain that to people in English so that they can know what that means. What that means is that Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling will all be eligible for the ballot this year. Whereas if this happened next year, they would have to wait one year of sitting out. Why are they exempt this year from having the to wait Baseball that Hall year? of Fame said so. Okay. My guess it's very similar. I remember when the, the baseball writers shrunk the waiting. I'm sorry, the time you could be on it from 15 to mm -hmm. 10. But they said, listen, the people like the Trammels that are in year 11, you could still stay on. You're grandfathered into year 15. So maybe Kurt Schilling went to did what he died last year, which, again, different tangent. Mm-hmm because they want to keep them on this year. So we'll see what happens this year. I mean, it is what it is. Okay. Um, the one-year wait period, that whole thing, why would they do that? Anybody Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. Because why? Because he said some controversial things and they want him to shut up for a year? Well, or? they want to sh punish members a future member like that to say guess what you just can't bypass us and go straight to mm -hmm. uh the veterans committee you're gonna have to be punished we're gonna make you sit for a year and that's your mm -hmm. punishment for thinking you can go past us and be better than us james forbes clark rules all why not make it five years why you know i'm just i'm not saying they should i'm just i i don't know i don't know yeah it's i think it's arbitrary i think frank's right that it's a it's a punishment for someone like that but it's just an arbitrary number yeah i agree it's the principle it seems silly though i guess to me but um okay so we got this year coming up december 22 for the class of 2023 contemporary baseball players then you'll have contemporary baseball managers can i stop you one second mike this is really important we gotta remember Absolutely. every year they've had 10 players or 10 whatever nominees go to the committee, they're shrinking that 10 down to eight. And in addition to that, every person, all uh, the 16 members used to be able to vote for four people. That's now going to go from four to three. So in a perfect world, if perfect collusion got on and they said, we want to get four people in together, they each would have to make a unique ballot to get four people in. So I want to make that point clear to those watching. That's probably the biggest change of the, everything. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk through that because that's, I, I agree that that is significant. And those out there that are just casual Hall of Fame, like, yeah, let's see who got in. They don't really follow the process or, or care that much versus the four of us on this podcast who care very deeply every year and follow it intensely. Going from 10 to eight, a big deal uh, in terms of the number of candidates. So, Thoughts on that, Jake? What do you think about that idea? Sure. So I can build the original point, and uh, Frank can probably counter me after I'm done. Uh, but the reason I said what I said about, you know, 1980, I think that's been covered a little bit more. Now, I'm assuming that the Hall of Fame won't change their process again, which we all know how likely that is. But I'm assuming that it stays 1980 and before and 1980 after in perpetuity for the purpose of this conversation. If that's the case, I think you need it to be stretched out a little bit so that there's an opportunity every year to have 
a significant class pre-1980. Otherwise, you know, if you can get four in every year uh, and they were segmented that group into two, right? If we got four Negro Leaguers every year, again, under the old rules, and we got four Golden Year guys in every year, we'd run out pretty quick of guys that I think we all feel like are Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, whereas doing it once every three years now, with that big of an, a range of years, that should prolong it a little bit. That should give us a decent-sized class over the next decade, we'll say, if they do it at a pretty good clip and elect people. Now, we don't know how that'll work out. We don't know if they'll elect three guys every year or the shrinking of the eight could, you know, have so many unique ballots that you only get one or two per year. Uh, that's still remained to be seen. Um I don't know who wants to go next, but that was my initial reaction to that, of the shrinking. Bill, go ahead. The biggest thing for me is going from four votes to three votes. And again, like Jake is saying, you know, I guess you can stretch things out a little bit because you'd hate to have, you know, a huge class go in and then a number of years where nobody comes in. Uh, so stretching it out is, is, is fine. I, I just... I just have an issue. Correct me if I'm wrong. The early baseball or the early baseball era, which was, which was just done right last year or something. Correct. But Fowler, when, Buck O'Neill. When was the next one to be? Nine years. Nine years. So there was four different, four different uh, categories, and nine years between one and the other. It they didn't seem to flow. Did they not rotate evenly? No, no, it no. did not rotate evenly. No. I think and that's one of the that? reasons. Sorry, go ahead. Why was that? Because the hall. Well, I think because the Hall of Fame was very concerned with getting players in that are still alive to enjoy the experience. Again, once you retire, you're basically like again. Let's ignore the Omar Vizquelas of the world. Your numbers are the numbers, so they're not changing. So let's get these guys in while they're alive, rather than what they're dead. So they really put a lot, and plus. They did a study on this, and the greatest percentage of Hall of Famers in the Hall of Famer, like from the 30s and 40s, if you go mm -hmm. by percentage of players in the Hall of Fame compared to playing, it's because you got the cronyism of the old veterans committees, they felt. Right. So what they wanted to do is, listen, we got enough of those players in, again, ignoring the Negro Leaguers, let's get the more modern players in that are still alive. And keep in mind, from 2001 to 2018, not one living player got in. Through the veterans committee which is out i didn't realize that from mazarowski to trammell and morris now one player living got in we lost ron santo during that time unfortunately so i think they're trying to correct the error of their ways and at the same time i listened to a great uh, podcast that they called uh building the ballots got the guys from baseball reference and they think that cooperstown did not want six players in they thought there was some the, the committees really took extra careful to get all four of those uh, golden era players in. And so they're trying to shrink the, I guess there's more of a small hall of guys or girls at this point, And they're trying to shrink the class going in of the older people. But I would think that the hall of fame wouldn't want to see, you know, classes of zero and one be frequent. I don't think. Agreed. I a hundred percent agree with you, but at the same time, I was thinking about this. How many living players pre-1980 do you think are alive that still deserve the Hall of Fame? Major League, ignoring the Negro Leagues. Very few to none. Maybe Tommy John. Maybe. Maybe. 
stretching it. Am I missing anyone else? Hmm. Nope. That, no. That's not an error in your podcast. We are all going no. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the silence is. I'm not is, trying to bore everybody yeah. and all your viewers. I'm just trying to explain why they're focusing on the living. They want big crowds there. They don't want that one class, the one year exactly. where they had three deceased and that was it. They don't want that. They want living, like Jake said. So that's why I think they're focusing more on the more recent. Right. My my personal opinion was I, I just preferred equal um equal opportunity for everybody you know throughout yeah. the, regardless of whether they're dead or alive to be honest and you gotta uh, think yeah. dollars what you gotta think with dollars <laughs> yeah yeah that's true i know and that's pretty that's much true. what it's all about yeah the the four to three and and the ten to eight so now to get in you have to get on six of those ballots or five no, they're still gonna have ten you still need to be on 12 of them oh that's right because they just can only vote for three. That's right. They're going to have 15. Correct. That's right. not changing. The number of voting members on the each committee is still 15. So you still need 12. That's 16. a good one. Right. 16. Or six, 16. 16. 16. Yeah. So that makes sense. And, and, and I the, do, other, the other question I, I had was, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, you probably know this. Did they Do they normally release like a short list of finalists? Before the ten are released, no, and past the twenty, like they wouldn't. No, they only did that in two thousand and six for the Negro League. They did a special case for that. I'm talking since this century. That's the only time they did that was with the Negro okay. Leagues. But it's funny whenever I see the list of candidates that the committee will be considering for the Veterans Committee when they come out. There are some the, the list of ten. There are a couple on there. I go really, mm -hmm. really. So. Maybe the moving it to eight isn't that big a deal, you know, because there's probably one or two on there that I go, no way. And yeah. they end up getting a vote from somebody or two. I or mean, whatever. number one is if you get less than like 20%, they don't disclose that. They just say less than four or whatever. But uh, I always thought this is my conspiracy mm. theory that they did that on purpose to make it easier for the stronger guys to not to stand out votes. Or they could stand out more oh yeah again. or stand out same thing yeah right yeah yeah uh gil hodges looks a lot better when you compare him to i'm trying to think of another guy that was on that list but ellie reynolds no right. ellie reynolds was the year before i'm sorry lefty o'dool no that was the good that was the old era was it was it uh billy pierce billy pierce billy pierce, billy pierce. Yeah. yeah billy pierce sorry, really? no 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 uh disparaging comments towards Billy Pierce, by the way, he won more games than I did as a pitcher in the major leagues, but still it, you know, he didn't deserve to be on that ballot and to even be considered. And that takes away from the conversation of other guys. Now, again, to be only able to vote for three, I, I do, I do believe they want to keep a class at three to four players no more than, no less than. They want to. I think they have this sweet spot that they're aiming for, this target class idea of number of players. Because I guess you have to think about, especially if all the people are going to be alive, Frank, which is, I yeah. do agree, a, a, a motivating factor for them. Then you got to think of all the people that come to the, that town can only hold so many people without yeah. it being complete chaos right and if you had six or seven between the the bbwa ballot people 
and people getting voted in by the veterans committees, it could be a pretty crowded little village. Yeah, but I don't know how many fans Tommy John's going to draw in, to be honest with you. So, And I think the, the limiting to eight puts intentionally, in a good way, puts more of a crunch on the post-1980. You know, think about who's going to be on that ballot in the next few years. You've got Schilling. You've got Bonds. You've got Clemens. You've got Pettit. You've got Fred McGriff, Delgado, Del Murphy. I mean, Whitaker. it goes on and on and on. Whitaker. Whitaker. I mean, the list goes on and on and on to where yeah. from the Hall's perspective, they're like, we're going to pump out th three class, you know, three player classes for years and years and years of living guys. We're going to have big crowds. We're not going to have that zero or one that we don't want. Correct. It'll be interesting if you have a lot of uh, steroid names on there. You kind of almost have to choose which hierarchy of steroid names to choose if, if they're all on there. And I didn't even say Palmero or Maguire or Sosa. I mean, it just. Yeah, I mean, it's a very strong. I mean, uh, we're ignoring the Hall of Fame elephant in the room with the Veterans Committee. People are still watching. And that's this executive veteran. I mean, sorry, executive pioneers. I don't know what pioneers are left, but uh, in that uh, umpires. I'm sure like Joe West and like Lou Pinello mm -hmm. were throwing a party over the weekend. They must have been ecstatic. Mm -hmm. This is like almost guaranteed entry for them. And George Steinbrenner. We'll see. To get their own section of, of the vote, they don't have to compete with any players at all now. Uh, did exactly. What did you say, Jake? Did we touch on that? No. Did we talk about how I mean, they were separated? Well, I, We I mentioned, mentioned quickly that they were on a separate ballot. Okay. Why do you think that's a big deal, Jake? I, exactly what uh, Frank just said. Uh, you know, those guys are – throwing a party because now they don't have to go up against players. You know, their ballot became the least crowded. Uh, when you've got Joe West, uh, you've got Lou Pinella, a couple other names that are non-early baseball guys, you know, that are post-1980, that would be your umpires, your coaches, managers, and pioneers, if there are any, Frank. Uh, but it's limited. There's only so many to choose from. So they've got to be thinking, hey, if I've got a real shot at the hall, I'm going to get in in the next – three cycles of this. Yeah. That... And this sort of goes into uh, what I think is, I think this latest rules of committees, I give it two cycles before they change the rules again. Do you think this allows a watering down on the pioneer umpire manager type part? Because if you're going to put eight names on the ballot, we're all going to look at the ballot and go, maybe a couple of them deserve to be in. But um, I mean, I, I agree the umpires have been ignored for a long time. I mean, I can't wait for Angel Hernandez to get in. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I just had a missed call from him. Yeah. <laughs> I got it, I mean, Bill. I got Hank O'Day got in to the Hall of Fame. I said, who? You know what I'm saying? So I don't think – I sort of believe in the umpire's role is to be – seen and not heard if that makes any sense at all so i get the bill clems of the world getting into the hall of fame and maybe i hate to say maybe joe west getting in i don't see any other hall of famers getting in i'm sorry any other umpires getting in let me rephrase yeah. that okay um, so, and then if I, I mean i'll throw this question out to you this is my thing if i could have changed one thing about this whole new errors committee thing i would have done differently is 
the the not the executives or the non-players, I would have opened that up all the way back to the beginning of baseball, so that Doc Adams has to say and is in that category. Because again, he's not known for much as a player as much as writing the new rules of baseball is what we figured out. He should be included more in that category than I think again going against the player. That's the one thing I would change right now. I, I agree with that. Uh, I just think that that particular category, um, post nineteen eighty pioneers, executives, umpires. That's the that's the smallest pool to choose from. So that's going to run out, in, in theory, the quickest or have the le- most chance of having no votes after a few get in. So or I, I would, a dilution. I would have right. extended that for the whole thing, just pioneers, executives, umpires throughout baseball. Completely. Does, it, let me ask you this. If this rule has been in effect last year or two years ago, would Buck O'Neill have gotten in the Hall of Fame? Because he would have been – would his contribution is to have been considered pre-1980 and therefore he wouldn't have even been on the ballot? I would think so. I mean, he would have been on the ballot. He would have been with the, he would have been lumped in though with everybody else. So it would have been much tougher for him to get in. He would have been lumped in with the players pre-1980, you're saying? Correct. Like, yeah, where would he have appeared on a ballot, potentially, to be with considered? Doc Adams and Thurman Munson. Two of his contemporaries, yeah. obviously. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, okay, so I want to change gears on this and and spend some time because of these changes. And we can talk about kind of whatever you guys want to, but a, a point I want to make or, or discuss is who does this help the most player-wise? Who does this hurt the most player-wise? Frank's <laughs> about to write a list I here. take this stuff. We're talking just players, right? Yes. Okay. Man. I know it's tough. So I th- I'll go first because I've actually I, – I just threw this question at you guys without any prep on this to think about it. I, I think it hurts the mid-level steroid guys the most. I think it hurts the Gary Sheffields. I think it hurts um, guys like uh, – I don't think Vizquel is going to get in on the player ballot. So guys like Vizquel, because you're going to have just heavier hitters, no pun intended, on the ballot that totally dwarf their accomplishments. Um, That's who I think it hurts the most player-wise, this change. Because you're only going to have eight guys on the ballot, and the the seventh and eighth guys on that ballot are going to be overwhelmed by the other guys. So. I have my answer. Okay. Go ahead, Frank. Hurt the most. It was going to be like, and again, most of your viewers won't even know who this person is, but like Bill Dolan will never make the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, as long as the cycle goes. And to, to your viewers, I spent a lot of money getting a Bill Dolan autograph. And he got like less than four votes the last year. Now he's being lumped in with all these Negro leaguers and the Thurman Munces. They're going to try and I think Tommy John, for example, and Lou Whitaker, this is going to help the most because they want to get living players in. And I would say the older you borderline Hall of Famer you are, the better off it is. Whereas, like, if you're a Thurman Munson who unfortunately passed away, he's another mid-70 person, and I really think this is going to hurt this ballot because he now he's going to be up once every three years. Well, he's still up once every three years anyway. So, Who does it help the most, Frank? Lou Whitaker. 
because mm-hmm. he'll be the cleanest guy in the dirty laundry of the post nineteen eighty. I mean, guy. I, I I think eventually his name will rise to the top. I can see a friend McGriff being the first one to get in personally. If I had it with this new post nineteen eighty ballot, I'm not saying Kurt Schilling. I'm not saying the steroid guys. I think the first one is McGriff. I would say the second one is in probably or close to it would be Whitaker. I think like another person I think this helps tremendously is the Don Mattingly of the world. What about like Steve Garvey and no, 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 hurts, hurts. <laughs> Garvey hurts. would be pre nineteen eighty, right? Yes, for sure. Good point. Although his rookie card's nineteen seventy one, correct. So I mean, it's not like he 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 would he overlaps the eras a little bit, right? But they say whoever made your greatest contribution, and he was rookie, he was MVP and everything in the seventies. That's when he was in the Dodgers and everything. That's real. I mean, the only player I could think that really straddles the line is Dave Parker. Mm. That's a good point. Don't forget about Steve Garvey's awesome 1984 San Diego Padres World Series run that he made. How can I forget about that? He, our Tigers beat him. That's right. And Lou Whitaker. Well, I'll, Bill, I'll jump in. I'll jump oh, in next before Bill give him some more time to think about his answer. Yeah. For the guy that it hurts the most. I, I actually thought of the same guy as Frank, Bill Dolan, because, you know, such a wide range. And if you're a fringe guy, again, if it was in perpetuity, like we can only assume that it would happen, maybe he eventually gets in. But we all know the likelihood of the Hall changing their protocols again. And he's probably going to get lost in the shuffle of the Negro League guys that are also long overdue. Um, you know, we talked about at length, all of us did about which one of the Negro Leaguers should be on the short list to get in this last go-round of early baseball. Um, And now they're in a group with a bigger pool. The other guys that I think it hurts, you know, post-1980 the most is basically anybody that was a fringe kind of guy. You know, whether it's Sheffield, like you mentioned, Mike, because of steroids, or I think of Kenny Lofton, who's a guy that I think should be in the one, who is kind of fringy, but because he's going up against the Bonds and the Clemens, and those guys, it could take him a while to have a real shot. Um, but hopefully Frank is right about Fred McGriff because him not being in the Hall of Fame, it's a crime, dog. <laughs> That's right, dog, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Love it. Bill, do you have anybody that it helps or hurts? No, no names in particular, but you guys pretty much hit, hit it spot on, to be honest. I, I just I, – I, I can see it hurting. Like I said, the, the, the Negro leaguers are going to be priority and, and they'll come up every three years. So it's a lot of these other guys that uh, may have stood a chance at some point. Um, it, it's just harder for them. Uh, again, I, I just, I, I would push for just more an opportunity for, for some of these, these older guys, but uh, you know, I, they, they, you guys, you guys hit it all. All right. Let me throw this idea out at, at you. Every player has an opportunity to be on, prior to the last couple of years, 15 ballots. All the guys that will be considered for the era committees, pretty much, had 15 ballots. Now it's 10. There's a rule on the Hall of Fame that if you get less than 5% of the vote, you're off the ballot. Should that be a, a rule they consider for era committees? If you're on an era committee ballot and you get less than two votes or you get no votes 
that you should never be considered. Obviously, this committee con- you were you were considered during your writer during the writers phase. You didn't make it. A veterans committee commit uh, uh, considered you. You didn't get any votes. Should you then be just not considered anymore ever again? I don't think so. Definitely. I, I think, mean, I look think at that's, the, be... that's definitely sorry. You look at the Negro Leaguers, look at the initial list. You know, again, I'll go back to Raymond Brown. He was on the 1971 original ballot list they submitted for the Hall of Fame. Only one player got in. Ray Brown, I don't got it. I don't know what the votes are, but I'm assuming we knew very little about him. And it's, I, I, I'm, I, yes, I'm pushing the Negro Leaguers. I guess what I'm trying to get is this, Bill. I'm sorry, Mike, is the fact that they tried to add that rule late last year that if you get less than one vote, you can't show up again. They immediately overturned that rule. It was very quiet. When I would think the pre-1980 list, if they did that, they would run out of candidates real quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's just some generational things where, where you know, if, if this had been existing and you didn't have advanced statistics that you had today and, you know, you, you look, relook at the game or, or, you know, things change and, and the general public think differently of certain eras and things like that. Uh, it, to not have that chance to be listed after having been knocked off um, would, would not be appropriate. Yeah, I was just posing the question. Uh, I don't know that I would be in favor of that either, um, mainly because you might have a crowded ballot is really where I would go with it. Not that some of the players at the lower end of the ballot wouldn't be deserving at some point, but there's just other guys that happen to be on their ballot that are more deserving that's not fair to those guys to be considered in some future uh, if they just didn't get any votes because all the votes went to stronger candidates. Right. I, that I would see, seem unfair. I could see something like if you got zero votes, you can't be on a consecutive ballot. You may have to skip over one. Yeah, that's something. fair. That's a good compromise. When I think if you went, if, if the hall was to go the route of if you get no votes, you're off forever. I think you'd see more of kind of what you see happen now on the writer's ballot where, you know, say Frank's a really strong, you know, supporter of Lofton and I'm going to keep voting for him no matter what, even if Griffey's a slam dunk, I'm going to keep Lofton on the ballot because he's my guy. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think you could see that happen on these era committees if you said, hey, if you don't get at least one vote, you're off. And that could could hurt the class every year when there could be slam dunk candidates. But there could be a case where I I guess another way you could take this is to go, all right, Tommy John, let's say. Let's say he's on three or four consecutive ballots of whatever committee he falls under and he keeps getting zero votes. Why do they keep putting him on the ballot? You know, that's kind of where I'm going with that. These guys that keep showing up every time and i'm like nope still not a hall of famer he wasn't last time he wasn't the time before he was on the veterans committee why do we keep putting him on this ballot i, I think vote... we no i, I think we all agree roger maris is not a hall of famer does anyone here think that roger maris is a hall of famer no every single bell he's on you want to know why i think because it makes news popular new york yankee you know say so it just draws attention so that's an example just for why i see roger maris more than he should be on that veterans committee ballot. I I think that we should contact the hall of fame and say, look, the four of us are going to be <laughs> your selection committee and we're going to pick the guys and gals potentially to be on the ballot every year and let us do it. 
What do y'all think about that idea? I love that idea. Uh, who currently does that though, Frank? That's the executive board, correct? It's a it's a mix. They have three to four Hall of Famers, three to four historians, three to four executives like GMs, and, and they have a couple of owners. What I really liked is with the uh, the pre integration ballot, they had John Thorne there. Yes, I think he probably I contributed immensely just to tell the story, and I mean. If I could be a fly in the room, I would love to see what happened. Not on the pre-integration bail as much as the modern one. Because they got four players in. I was shocked. I know we talked about this. They got four in. We're not going to see that again, is my guess with this. Unless they purposely all get together before. Not a secret ballot saying, you're voting for A, you're voting for B, you're voting for C, you're voting for D. So, I mean, I'll be shocked if we even see three get in ever again with this system. I'm Without polluting. I'm almost want to say that it's just as important to to have the to know who the 16 individuals are that are voting mm -hmm. uh, than the candidates themselves because you're only talking about 16 vote potential voters, you know, 12 to get in. Um, you know, you see the whole Harold Baines thing and and who was voting for Harold Baines and stuff in the past. So I mean, that that's almost just as important. <laughs> well, it's Larissa was right? on that committee, right? Yeah, Larusa was on that committee, and Jerry Reinsdorf. Don't forget, and Reinsdorf. Yeah, yeah. But that's dis that's disclosed. Who's on the ballot? Who's on Correct. the selection? That committee. is disclosed. You don't know though who voted for who. That's top secret. And you don't know what was said in the room. I mean, if you have right. super champions for a certain player because they're a Tony Larusa who managed Harold Baines or Jerry Reinsdorf who owned the team and etc. They could be in there just, you know, dominating the conversation. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be cool if they opened, made that public. But they would they never would, do that. They it would, would be never, ever do A real quick story. When Rick Farrell got in in 1984, he was a questionable pick, to say the least. And the story is, this is a story floating around the Michigan circles, and I love this. Al Kaline was one of the people there. And Rick Farrell at the time was very high up in the Detroit Tigers organization. And Al Kaline said to everyone, listen, I know Rick Farrell's not a Hall of Famer, but please do me a favor. Would one of you please just vote for him just to see he got a vote? Sure enough, he got in. You know what I'm saying? I love that story. I, I believe it also. Yeah. But no cronyism... Still happen. I mean, we can call the Larusa Harold Baines thing cronyism, essentially, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's. Hey, I, I knew this guy. I he's a great clubhouse guy. He's all these things, yada yada yada. His numbers don't. I mean, there are so many Harold Baines people out there that think I'm. I hate Harold Baines. I don't. Um, I just don't think he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. But oh, he did all this and. I'm not saying you can't make a case. You can make a case for a lot of guys. You can make a case for Jimmy Rollins being in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't mean he should be. So who who votes for Harold? Who votes for Jimmy Rollins here? I, I would not. Nope. Nope. Okay. So, but you could make a case. And oh, it, yeah. If, if the right people are in the room someday in a veterans committee when Jerry Jimmy Rollins is being considered. He could get in the Hall of Fame. Now, look, we're four guys that have no <laughs> – our opinion matters about as much as you're paying to watch it, uh, but which is zero. So – it, but it's – we care. You know, we're, we're four guys 
that genuinely care about who gets in the integrity of it, the, um, the process that it's fair, that all eras are considered that Negro leaguers are well represented that, um, I don't know, it's just important to us. And we put a lot of time and effort into thinking about this. So probably way more than most of the people listening or watching this combined that care about it. So, well, we're, we're all collectors too. And, and I guess, you know, we're all trying to um, forecast the future because we all know prices go up, right? Whether you're collecting autographs like all of us do or rookie cards or any, any generic sports card, you know, you're working outside of working on a set where you're going to have him anyway. But um, we're all trying to, to forecast and weigh the, the risks of getting somebody, you know, not getting them too late where the prices are already crazy, especially with, you know, prospecting. It's, it's our version of prospecting, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to that effect, uh, if your viewers are still on there, I just went today and I bought a Bill White signed baseball because I think he fits really nicely to the second round of that executive ballot because you got, they're going to consider all. So he had a very good career, six time, eight time all-star, six time gold glove. And he was a pioneer president of the national league. I said, you know what? He's got a shot. Still alive, 88 years old. I might as well get it now. Bill's Bobby Brown will also fit in nicely. On Bobby Brown will be another candidate, I think, on the Pioneer. But he's pre-1980, so I don't know if he's going to get in that way. Because his biggest contribution, oh, so is Bill White. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, Very similar. You're right. To build off what Bill was saying, this is the question I want to pose to you guys. As uh, the guy with the least amount of Hall of Fame autographs in the room. Everyone else has 250 plus really cool guys um, <laughs> is how do you think these changes to the ballots affect collecting the Hall of Fame and future Hall of Famers? How, how does it affect collecting? I need to go out and get a Jim Leland autograph now. <laughs> I, I got a few extras, but not on card. Uh, exactly. I would be more focused on the non, I mean, the players, the post-1980 players, I really is going to have zero effect, in my honest opinion. Uh, I think some like the Lupinellas of the world that were sort mm -hmm. of slipping through the cracks, I think we'll get in. I heard someone mentioning today, they think Davey Johnson, who I never thought was a Hall of Fame manager, they think he'll get in. I'm still not running out to buy him. As for, and I really try to speculate the Negro Leagues, like the pre-1970. I have probably five figures invested in that. This is going to hurt. I'm not going to lie. It's good in the sense that they're going to come up more often, but the problem is they're facing there's the, the, the broad range of players they're up against. And my guess is only three Negro leaguers will make the final eight. Is that the hall of fame calling us? Whoever's phone that no, is? No, that's my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it is um, the whole thing. <laughs> so I think it's to answer your question, Jake, I think it, it doesn't change the prospecting of hall of famers. It, spreads it out more honestly yeah. i think it takes longer um to do that which isn't necessarily a bad thing i'm not you know whether fred mcgriff gets in now two years from now whatever i he's still a hall of famer i think someday and i have his stuff ready to for that day to be announced you know for his election to be announced same with all the other guys that we prospect for and we talk about and we speculate and have conjecture about it's that's fun though. It like is to fun. me, is fun. that's so much fun and it's far from a perfect science. We're 
all four of us can probably go, yep, I was wrong on that one. Uh, I didn't do Gil Hodges because I didn't think he was ever going to get in. And I just never bought him. I could have bought him super cheap. I could have bought a mini Minoso rookie card, 52 tops for next to nothing. Two, three, four years ago, forget the boom of the hobby. Mini Minoso rookie card has gone bananas uh, post election to the hall of fame. So shame on me, but that's, again, I think that's the fun part of it. I don't, I'm not, you know, yeah, I wish I would have, but none of us can see into the future. None of us can see what the Hall of Fame is going to do or change or whatever. And it gives us something to talk about. At least. I see Bill smiling in the background, and I know why. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Mini Minoso. Yeah. yeah, I I bought, I bought Lefty Old Duel. You know, I, I figured he had somewhat a shot, and you, you know, want to get him before he's 3-4X, you know? And uh, that's. Well, I have Smokey Joe Wood. I have you know, some guys that probably will never get in. And I, but I haven't spent, the great thing is prospecting for hall of famers pre hall of fame. Isn't crazy expensive. Most of the time, there are times and exceptions to that bill Dolan, uh, as you mentioned, Frank, but most of the time, that's not a crazy expensive endeavor, uh, way cheaper than prospecting your newest major league hot prospect, you know, uh, and, and buying their stuff. What so, I guess to answer my own question, I think for the the average Hall of Fame collector or someone just looking to get into it, it's probably a good thing of it's yes. gonna this out a little bit, gives you more time to catch up, honestly. You know, more time to buy these guys, prospect a little bit longer the ones that could get in. Um, whereas I think under the old system, better odds that we see more Hall of Famers sooner. Uh, so the prices go up faster. Uh, so I would think that this helps a average hall of fame or new hall of fame collector a little bit. I agree. The last question I'm going to pose to you guys before we close this out. Okay. Bill, I'm going to ask you first, based on everything we've talked about tonight, what you've, what homework you have done or not done on this subject. Do you like it? Like just a simple answer. Do you like it? Do you not like it? The changes that have been made. Do we explain our answer or no? Just, are you yeah, you go ahead. You can. Um, I would say I like it, uh, but I would have modified it if I had an opportunity to. But in general, uh, I, I like it. Okay. Uh, I go like ahead, it. Then. The reason why is I'm a big New League collector. I make no shame about that. And – the bottom line is I'd rather wait every three years to see some players up there than every 10. Okay. I like it. I think it guarantees we get to have these kind of discussions every year because, you know, guys are going to be on the ballots longer. It's going to take guys longer to get in. I think that's fun. Um, as your somewhat average Hall of Fame collector still, I'm not in y'all's realm yet. Um, I like it from that standpoint. It gives me more time to catch up. Uh, you guys have got to collect a little bit longer than me. Um, and I think that's a good thing for anybody wanting to get into that aspect of the hobby. Um, I think it continues the fun. More likely we get a class every year of players and uh, gives people a chance to uh, collect them and get in. If you would have asked me before we started talking about this, I would tell you that I abhorred the changes. I, I Why? I I'm a big hall guy and I thought this was going to, stretch out the process more 
three votes versus four matters a lot. You're talking yeah. about yeah. a 25% reduction in the number of people that can theoretically get in, really. Um, and so that bothered me. Uh, I don't like the idea that they just change things so much. Like, pick a freaking system and stick with it. Like, why does this has to be changing all the bloody time? What, you know, apparently they thought it was broke. I'm a big, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They thought something was broke. I didn't see what was broken. And so I, I didn't like it. Having had this discussion with you guys, I feel better about it. Um, I'm going to get over the, I think all the guys that I want to get in at some point, and I think should, will get in, will get in. It just may take longer. Luckily, this is a marathon and not a sprint, right? So I'm not, I've gotten over that, even just talking through it with you guys. So I appreciate you guys keeping me from uh, flying off the deep end, being angry about it. Uh, and the bottom line is, like I said earlier, nothing we can do, the four of us can do about it, except, okay, let's just, whatever it is, it is. And One quick question for you, Mike. Do you think this is yeah. easier from a layman's perspective to understand the cycle? Because it was no very doubt. confusing before. I thought the other committees were incredibly confusing. Uh, the the multiple, you know, different eras and doing the every other year you're going to do this era, but then every four years you're going to do oh, yeah, this exactly. other era. I mean, it felt very convoluted. It's much more simplistic now, and I I do like that part of it. I just I just wish there was opportunity for more players to get in at each opportunity, but I'll get over that. So. Bill, thank you for being here. This is your second or third time on the podcast, I think. Second, 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 yeah. And Frank's a regular on Bench Clear Media now. He's like, we should start sending him a check. Send him a check, and uh, take a hat instead. Thank you, Frank, for being here. And Jake, as always, man, love you. Thanks for being here. So thanks for having me, everybody. Awesome. Thanks for watching, listening, wherever you're doing that whole thing let us know down below what you think uh are we all crazy uh what what do you think about the new changes we'd love to hear your opinion and appreciate you as always have a great one and jake you can send us out with my phrase keep collecting god bless keep collecting and god bless see you guys later